Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. If you want to look on your electronic device, we'll get there in just a second. We did it. We made it to Merger Sunday. We're, we're all here. We're one for the kingdom. Don't you feel it? Just feels like it. Okay, let's move on. Isn't it, isn't it weird how even though we've made it, it, it doesn't feel like it's one yet. In fact, there still feels like there's maybe a little bit of question marks of to like, well, will this work or won't there? In a lot of ways, it, it kind of feels like a blended family. Now, don't see the analogy all the way through. We're not trying to say that John Mitchell's the mom and I'm the dad, okay? That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that the leadership has gotten together. We've prayed. We've sought the Lord, and we believe that this is where we're supposed to go. And now you, the individuals that make up the church, get to come alongside. And so you're now getting to figure out what we've been talking about, how we've been moving and and going forward, and what we've been planning for. And you've kind of, it's all been a hypothetical. And I understand. You you all are, are wondering. You're asking this question I want to I belong, right? We all want to fit in and we all want to belong. We all want to know that, that we're like, we can be served. That's something that every single one of us wants to have. I'm sure there are even maybe some fears in there. Maybe we wouldn't say fear, just concerns if we don't want to use the fear word, right? City Church, you're, you're wondering like, will this be home? Will this be home? Will I be able to use my gifts the way that God was using them at the previous place? Will I fit in? Will I belong? And, and Rev, Rev people are going, man, will this feel the same? Will this feel different? Because there's new people here, and there's, I don't know them yet, and it's, it's weird to make new people and to, to meet these people and do this. And the people that are online, that have, been, that have been watching online at both places for a long time, you're going, will I even know the church that I call home when I finally show up again? These are all understandable fears, concerns, struggles. We also have things that maybe we're excited about. You city church people are like, oh, finally a building. Rev is only a year and a half in here. We know that feeling, right? Like finally not setting up and tearing down. Finally a place to just set something and let it get dirty and it's on us to clean up. Like it's just nice to deal with that, right? Maybe you're excited about having more people. Maybe some of the Rev people are like, oh, good, fresh meat for volunteers. Finally, woohoo, right? Like everyone's got these excitements too or, or more leadership. There's all kinds of reasons to be excited as well. And all these things are understandable. Both fears and excitements are completely understandable, especially when you look at the climate of our culture as a whole. When you look at the culture and the landscape, if you spend one minute with any kind of news channel or or any kind of social media thing, you realize that this world is just divided. And what's sad to me is it doesn't actually seem that the church is immune from that division. The church seems to be just as divided as the rest of the world. It's almost like we've lost our way and recognize that we're supposed to be countercultural, not inside the culture to that way. We see that there are so many reasons to divide. Politics, Facebook, racial tensions, vaccines, red, blue. There's so many reasons to divide. So even then, to think that we would even consider trying to be one for a kingdom when we've seen just as much division in even our small groups, our gospel communities, our gatherings, as you guys have called them. We've seen people rip from relationships over seemingly foolish things that are nowhere to be found in Scripture. So when I say, hey, we're one for the kingdom, everyone should be like, yeah. But all of us have that kind of that deep feeling going, are we? Are we really? See, honestly, I wrote it this way in my notes. Honestly, the bride of Christ has lost her way a bit as of late. 
See, as understandable as the concerns are and as legitimate as the fears coming here could seem with all the division in the world right now, we as Christians may have forgotten one of the most foundational truths that should stand us on a bedrock that does not shake, a truth that is so profound, a massive truth about who we truly are to one another. We may have lost sight of that. See, at the core, it's really an identity piece, and that's maybe why we're seeing so many Christians struggle right now because there's a, at the core of our identity is starting to be shaken. If you, like I said before, in Ephesians 2 is where we're going to be. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 17. You can look on there with your electronic device. Uh, this, this book is incredible. The entire first chapter is who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ, what, what Jesus has done for us to make us a people. We have every spiritual blessing. We have been adopted. We are co-heirs with Christ. There's, we have an inheritance that's sealed with the Holy Spirit. The whole first three chapters, really, of Ephesians are about who we are in Christ. Some 35 times is some iteration of in Christ in the book of Ephesians alone. And it comes to chapter 2, and at the end of chapter 1, it just talked about Jesus Christ being kind of the, the head over the church. He's making a people. He's making a people, and this is who he is, and he's, he's the fullness of God, and it's, it's God taking and making a people for himself. And then 11 through 16 in chapter 2 here, talk about the dividing wall of hostility between Gentiles and Jews. Again, to them, that day, if you were a Gentile or Jew, you, you lived very different lives, physically very different lives, ceremonially very different lives. And look, you were different, and there was much hostility between Jews and Gentiles. And 11 through 16 is talking about, like, look, you Gentiles, once you were out, and Paul's speaking at Ephesus, and he's talking to this huge metropolitan place that's, that's been focused on all these pagan gods, and he's saying, you guys were once outside looking in at the salvation that the Jews proclaimed to have in God but in Christ, in Christ, something has been done. Something has been done. And I'll pick up in verse 11. He says, therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And that was something that every single Gentile knew from the very beginning day that they met their first Jew. They knew that they were outside, they were unclean, they were uncircumcised, they were not welcomed into the people of God, the people of Israel. And they knew it. And then he goes on and says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in flesh the dividing wall of hostility by, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came, verse 17, and preached peace to you who are far off, peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So when you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a temple, a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, this would have reached the Gentiles drastically different than it would us today. They're seeing in this, they're saying, wait a second, in Christ, we are no longer on the outside looking in at salvation 
In Christ, we are not only just welcomed into a community of people, but we are considered part of his household. In Christ, you were brought in. The Jews knew. They had the Abrahamic covenant. They had everything. They knew that they were part of it. And they had always held that as, this is why we are higher than. This is why we are better than you who are Gentiles. And that it seeped its way into even the church after Christ. And what had happened is some of the Jews were seeing themselves as higher than the Gentile Christians. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. This is one family. So modern day, we won't make you guys at City Church say that you guys were the people far and we're the Jews that are near. But a modern day nearish and a farish, right? Like near is, like maybe we don't see it as Jew or Gentile, but, but, but near maybe those people that when I said turn to Ephesians, you were like, there, I want a champ right? You had the badge to show it. Like you were the person that was raised in the church. You knew it. You had it forever. You were like, man, I know this. I've been around the church. I've been walking and God has, God has been in my house. So we prayed as a family. And somewhere in that time, God grabbed your heart. He grabbed your heart and he sealed it. He spoke peace to you. Like it says here in verse 17, he spoke peace to you and it grabbed your attention. And it was no longer the faith of your family. It was your faith. It was, it was what God had done to you by, by your faith and belief in him. And he, he drew you near and saved you and preached peace to you. Those are the people that are near today. The people that, that maybe spent a lot of time in church, but it wasn't just the actions. It wasn't just religious activity. Because like the Jews, they were working out religious activity, but Jesus was very clear that you can't do it just for religious activity. You need relationship. You need relationship with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And so you are those, maybe some of you are those near. You're like, man, I, I've got this. I, I, I knew this. And I, that is such a beautiful story. I pray that all four of my children have that story. I, I plead with God that they would have that story, that they never knew a day where they weren't following the Lord. It's a beautiful story. But some of you here, you're, you're far. You weren't raised in the church. In fact, you were hostile to the church. You, you remember those days. This is, this is my story. I grew up not in the church, and so God was a, a thing to be mocked. He wasn't something that was real or meant to have a relationship, and you had addictions or, or, or all kinds of struggles with all kinds of different things, and basically your world, your God was you. And somewhere along the way, God spoke peace to you. He spoke peace to you and said, you are my child. You are not just a part of my kingdom, but you are a member of my household and it's not based on anything you've done. It's not based on any merits you may earn or grow or do on your own. It's based on what I have done through the cross. And it's therefore now your home and you are co-heirs with Christ. And we can all say, amen, Jesus, thank you for saving us there. But the thing is, is whether you were the Iwana champ, Bible scholar by age nine, or you didn't even know Jesus existed until age 30 or 40, God has spoke peace and you are one. See, church, I, th I think we've forgotten this. We've allowed our small C church's names to get in the way of what God is actually doing. We've, we've made it more, and we, we would never say this, we've made it more about Revolution 22 or, or about City Church, when really it was never about either of those names, and both, both churches would have vehemently argued against it and said, no, we will not do it. It is about Jesus Christ, but yet we still kind of get our little neat clubs, and we do this. And Christ... He takes those who are near and those who are far and he makes a people. He makes you a people. He makes us one. And then it goes on and says, you were once aliens or strangers. Now, that's another word that's kind of lost on us today. We think UFO and we think alien. 
But really, in this day, what it meant for a sojourner, for someone who is not a, a citizen, you had zero rights. You couldn't be protected by any military, any police force, any judicial system. You had zero rights to be an alien or stranger. And he says, you were once that, but now you are a member of a household of God. But guess what, church? And this is what we've forgotten. That has made us an alien, a sojourner on this planet. We are not a part of this planet. We are in it. We are not of it. We are of a kingdom that is going to take over and and crush this system. So you were once aliens. You were there. Now we're household. And he says, no, this is who you are. You were aliens before, and now you are a people. You were once sojourners with zero rights and zero citizenship, but now you have a spiritual blessing, an inheritance that's sealed by the Holy Spirit himself. You are a people. He goes on to say, well, this is done by through the prophets and the apostles, basically the people of God teaching the word of God. But he says, ultimately, but it's all foundation. It's whole point. It's founded on the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. The cornerstone was the most important stone in building. Everything built off of this. He says, you, you now Gentiles, you now City Church, you Rev 22, you people online, every single one of us that have bear the name of Christ, he has built us on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And let me say this really clearly. Any initiative we have, any desire as we move to church planting, anything we do, if it is not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, it will fall apart. The only reason we can be one is because our foundation is Jesus Christ. This is what Ephesians 2 says. In Christ, we can experience the transforming grace of God, and that alone enables us to walk with one another as one. God has created a people near and far, so the church is all of those everywhere across all time who have trusted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for their salvation. And then Paul goes on and says he's building you into a temple. Now, this is just radical speaking to the people in Ephesus. They had plenty of temples to false pagan gods. And the Jews knew of the temple, and that's it, that all that mattered. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm building a people that is not built on mortar or brick or pillar or altars. No, it's a people. It's not a facility. It's not a building. It's not a, oh, we were up here at the Seventh-day Adventist church. That's where we're meeting. Or, nope, now we're down here in our own building. No, it's none of that. It's a people founded on Jesus Christ. Together and only together we form the community in which the living God will be delighted to dwell in. Think about that. We, his church, we individual people, make up his church as one. We are together. We are there. This is said uh, the same way elsewhere as well. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says it this way. It says, but he who has joined to the Lord becomes one in spirit with him. A little bit further down in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6 says it this way, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I still can't find competition amongst the church in scriptures, guys. It's not there. Things like this are there. One, 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 one. Christ will not be divided. He will not be divided. So anytime our actions or our ideologies bring us to a position where we want to divide the bride of Christ, we have to pause and go, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. 
Ephesians 4 said there's only one. How dare I try to come in and divide that which God has declared as one? See, all of that is already true of us. It's been established by God. So we have nothing to fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Look, your, your fears as, as justifiable, will I fit in? Do I have to really listen to this guy all the time? Like, all those things are understandable. I get it. But, but don't lose sight of the biggest truth that we are already one. We were one before we ever began praying about this merger. We were one when we first surrendered our lives in faith to Jesus Christ. That makes us one. There's nothing that divides us. We are one. It's interesting because if we say that, it's like, okay, great, we're one. Now, how do we move forward? Let's go. All right, good job, guys. You're one. See you later. You know, the scriptures speak a lot on how we are to move together. In fact, over 100 verses, some 59 one another commands. 59. 59 one another commands. And Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, just before what I read there. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, urge you to walk. Walk in a manner worthy, worthy. That means that's the word that they would use for scales that would measure out, saying, saying whatever you believe, your life should measure out equally. Don't be a hypocrite. So walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Here's one of them. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You know, it's interesting. If you look up the antonym of maintain, it's, it's neglect. See, many of us would think that we're not, oh, I'm not neglecting unity. But if you aren't eagerly maintaining, you are neglecting. There is no middle ground on that. We, we think of, well, oh, I'm, not, I'm not ruffling any feathers. I'm just kind of standing back. No, no, we are to be eagerly maintaining the unity. And here's the other thing that's really interesting about this. We do not create unity. We preserve it. Unity has been created through the Spirit of God. It's already there. I am united to you, and you are united to me, whether we like it or not. It's been there. It is our job, our role as his bride, as his little Christ, as Christians. We are to walk out and preserve that unity. We are to maintain it. We are to, to continue to walk it out in all humility and gentleness, bearing with one another. We are to maintain it. Things that it says in the scriptures, be at peace with one another. How are you doing on that one? Love one another. That one is said over 16 times in the New Testament alone. Honor one another above yourselves. Church, really great opportunity to honor one another above ourselves. This means that when someone came in today, I guarantee it. I guarantee it's going to happen. If not in this service, it'll happen in one of the other two services. Someone's going to be like, hey, they're in my seat. I always sit there. They got here before me and they took my seat. No, honor one another above each other. Honor one another. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. I love that it's based on the acceptance we have in Christ. Our standard is that. Just like he says, forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven you. Our standard is Christ. Our foundation is Christ. Our standard of living is Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. You know, you know something that's interesting about every single one another? In the Greek, they're present imperatives. That means that it's, it's literally continually, habitually following this command. The present imperative basically calls for an attitude or action to be one's continual way of life or a lifestyle. Your one another commands are supposed to be happening over and over and over again. You know what else is really interesting here? It doesn't say, be sure that you are loved. Be sure that someone serves 
you. Be sure that someone disciples you and teaches you. No, it's all saying, you do it. You take care of it. You do it. And I believe, I genuinely believe at the core of who I am, when the believers surrender to the Spirit of God and walk in that, no one's going to have to ask the question, will I be loved? No one has to ask the, No one has to feel alone because you're not alone. No one has to worry, will they be served? Because everyone is serving. Because it's a command. They are, they are commands of us. We're going we're gonna to wait on the brotherly kiss one because of the pandemic. Probably not a good one, so let's lay on that one for a bit. Sorry, single dudes. You're like, dang it, I was hoping for that. No, we're not going to do that right now. In fact, but one of the things we wanted to do is I wanted us to be inundated with thinking. See, I've spent many, uh, the leadership, we've all spent many nights, long meetings, praying, talking, planning, doing all kinds of things, and it's been on our mind. And I've, been, I've had the joy, the joy of meeting some of you City Church people, and I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, this person will go so well with these people. They're going to get along. Not dating, not doing that, okay? But just like connecting in community. And it's, it's caused me to be praying for you guys. I was I'm praying for the people at Rev. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to invite you to put some action into this. So I'm saying, okay, if we're the so-and-so so-called kids that are a part of this, this blended family thing, I want you to be a part of this. And so what we did is we created a little QR code in this paper in front of you that's there. On the very bottom, there's a little QR code. If you put your picture on your phone, you can do it now or you can do it later, and it's going to put up a slide that's similar to what was up there originally of the love one another, but it has all the 59 one another verses on it. And you can save it as a backdrop on your cell phone. So every time you open your cell phone, which let's be honest, is probably way too often for most of us, you can be reminded, oh, I need to be, I need to be loving one another. I need to be serving one another. I, sh- I should go read this scripture. Let's go read what First Thessalonians says right now. This is interesting. I should talk about this. Why am I not doing this? And I want all of us to be focusing on prayerfully considering how can we one another someone else? How can we one another someone else? So what does that mean? City church people, I want to encourage you to come in and step all over our toes. Step on our toes. Don't wait for us to invite you into anything. Wherever you feel like God has asked you to be a part of, just come in and just step on our toes. I promise that Rev people will be humble enough to say, ow, and hang on here, let me help you understand how we do this, or hey, let's work together in this. Rev people, that means don't you dare be reticent waiting for them to come to you. It says be hospitable in 1 Peter 4, 9. It doesn't say be hospitable when it's convenient. It doesn't say make sure to be hospitable only on Sundays between these hours. It says be hospitable. So one another's, we are to be together. All you on, online, I don't know how many are there, but find ways to get connected. Don't just stay in your home alone. Reach out to us. Let us get you connected if it's not to a gospel community in some other way smaller, but please don't just stay at home disconnected. I would encourage you all to be as outgoing as possible. Maybe if they're an introvert, don't make eye contact, okay? That might help them. I kid, my, my wife's an introvert. I'm not making fun of introverts, I promise, okay? But let's, let's, let's step into this. Because the scriptures don't say when it's convenient or after a few months of the merger or when you figure out if this is really home. The scriptures say, love one another. Bear with one another. And, and to operate that would be walking in a manner worthy of our calling, which we've been called. It's not, it's not like I'm asking you to do extra credit. This is just the standard of living for us as the church. This is who we are. This is what God has commanded of us to do. You know, many pastors, when I planted this church over 10 years ago, we always talk about, and every, I've, not, I've, I've said it, I've not heard a single ta- pastor that wasn't like, man, 
if we could just have an Acts 2 church, right? Everyone's like, if you spend any time around the church, like Acts 2, if you haven't, go read Acts 2, and you'll be like, mind blown, right? Because it's just a different style of church. And everyone's like, man, I want to be that church. You know what's interesting is they were adding to their day, they were adding people to their number daily. People were coming to faith daily. And it, was, it doesn't say because they had really great kids' classes, and it doesn't say because they had really great theology or because they had a building finally or because they had three services instead of one or because they had better gospel communities or maybe they had this or because we were at this part of town. It doesn't say any of that. It just says people would be adding to their number daily. Why? Because they saw the way that Sally was being treated. They saw the way Bob belonged. And I'm pretty sure neither of those names were used in that time, okay, just, just to be clear. But either way, they saw it. They said, look at the way that Sally belongs. Look at how she's being treated. Look at the joy she feels. Look at how she's serving, and look at how she's served. She's serving as if she has no concern about her needs being met because she knows that someone else can be serving to the same way she is, to the skill set and the gifting that the Spirit will manifest through each individual. And Ephesians 3 tells us that when we do that, the manifold wisdom of God is displayed. The very colored beauty of God will be displayed to this world when we live out our lives and serve the way that he commands us to do by the Spirit. We have work to do. We need to learn to love one another more than the, any of the ideas we liked about the merger. We have work to do. We as a church, we're not excited like, oh, cool, we can just get together and kind of make this neat club. No, we have, we have people in our spheres of influence that have no hope in Jesus. We have work to do. We have people in our spheres of influence or are going to be in our spheres of influence that need to be discipled and God is going to use you to disciple them. We have people in this valley that are scared, overrun by fear, enslaved to sin and need the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ. Guys, church, we have work to do. So let's, let's work through our little kinks that are going to happen. Like, uh, oh, wait, you're sitting in my seat now. Or, oh, wait, you got, wait, what about this person? This person was a guitar player. And this, oh, we had Kyle up here today. Is he replacing Jonathan? No, guys, let's just all start serving together. And let's do what we can only do by God's grace because the Spirit is indwelling in each of us. Be unified. Preserve what is already ours, what has been completed. Let's live today as the people that will live in a kingdom where there will be no dividing line where there'll be no division, there'll be no frustrations. Let's live that way and let's work because we have to be sent people. We have people to reach. This valley, God is blessing us with many people moving to this valley. There are not enough churches in this valley to, to, to even take the, the believer growth coming in. We have got work to do. So let's step out wherever it is for you. And maybe some of you are like, man, I'm tired I'm exhausted. Well, we all are. Find a way to recognize that when doing what you're doing, his, his yoke is light and his burden is easy. Find your rest in him, not in Netflix binging. Find your rest in him. Use what God has given you to move the kingdom of God forward because he's going to build his church anyways and he's graciously invited us to do that, to be a part of it. See, it'd be easy for us to see this as this is going to be hard. I'm really, I can guarantee that I can't, I can't wait for the conversations or someone's going to say, well, we did it this way and you do it this way and I don't like that. That stuff may happen, right? We can all say, oh yeah, we can all think about all the things that are going wrong. In fact, let me just be really clear. Anyone that isn't a follower of Christ that hears about churches doing this, the first thought they have, ain't going to work. 
no way is it going to work. I know way too many church people, and I've seen just how quick they are to say, mine, not yours. But we have an opportunity. Really, this is a gift if you think about it. God has plopped a gift into every single one of our laps and said, love one another. Be, be the church. Be one. Stop doing an us versus them. There is no city church or Revolution 22. There is Jesus Christ. Serve each other. Love each other. God says it this way. Jesus says it this way right here. He says in John 13, 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Guys, our mark, our standard for the world to know if we are his disciples is our love for one another. How are we doing on that? Let's love one another. It's a gift. We have an opportunity to show the world what it really means to be one. We do. Right now, we do. We can, we can show, and what's, what's amazing, and hear me on this, what's amazing is we can even show the bride, the church around the valley, what it means to be one, not for our name, but so that there might be churches. See, rarely do two healthy churches do this, but there might be churches that are struggling that need to do this, and they need to see that it's possible for the gospel to move forward in doing this. Let us show them. Let's do this. Let's move forward. Let's plant churches. Let's get crazy. Let's watch God move because here's the thing. He's moving without us. God will build his church. He has just graciously invited us to come together and do it. To love other Christians mean to treat, means to treat them the way God treats them and the way that God treats us. That's all it is. The standard with which we are to treat each other is the standard with which he has treated us. Nothing extra. And then what's even more beautiful and profound is he gives us his spirit to actually enable us to do so because we couldn't do it without him. So let's do it. We're going to do communion today. City Church has a thing that they do with communion that we're going to do today because I think it's really beneficial, especially when we're talking about the kingdom, is they will periodically, when they do communion, they will grab their communion and they will circle up around the outside of the room. And so I would encourage you guys, real quickly, to grab some communion. If you need gluten-free, it's, it's back at the entrance door there. And then I would encourage you guys to circle up, just kind of get spread out a little bit, circle up around the outside, and we're going to take communion here in just a second. As everyone's grabbing their, their communion, it's really interesting. If you think about Jesus, when, when all the things that he wanted, in John 17, right before Jesus gets arrested and is crucified, I mean, right before Jesus gets arrested and crucified, he's spending time praying. He's spending time praying with God. And now here's the interesting thing. To pray with God, Jesus doesn't treat prayer like maybe some of us do. When we see prayer as an opportunity to just kind of lob something out in hopes that something may happen. Jesus praying to God for this to happen means at least two things. One is that he believes it's possible. He believes that it's possible. This prayer right here, Jesus believes that it's possible. And the second thing it means that he's praying for it is that it's necessary, that it's needed. The fact that Jesus prays for these two things tells us, the fact that he prays for this tells us not only that this is his desire for us, that it's possible because he's going to a God that can actually answer prayer, and that also that it's something that's needed. And I think too often we forget. We forget. Now look. Look around, people. Look at each other because this, if you bear the name of Christ, this is, your, this is the kingdom of God. These people, these people, whether you know their name or not, are going to be at the feast with the supper, or the supper feast of the Lamb with Jesus Christ. We're going to be together in that moment where Jesus is actually actively waiting for us. He's eagerly anticipating when we can do this together to partake of this communion. This is what it is, and this is what Jesus' prayer is. Hear these words. Please hear them. Jesus says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, 
which you have given me, that I may be one, even as we are one, that they may be one, even as we are one, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, you in me, and that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. This is Jesus' prayer for us. His prayer is that we would be one. Sorry. You'll learn real quickly I'm a crybaby. If Jesus wants this, that this is a prayer, then how dare we get in the way How dare we stand in the way of what Jesus is asking the Father for in prayer? Why would we even consider that? He's not, again, he's not praying. He's not lobbing something up saying, oh yeah, hopefully it'll happen. He believes it can happen. And so on that night that Jesus was betrayed, all the people in the room that believed Judas is gone at this moment, Jesus calls an audible in the middle of the Lord's Supper a Passover meal that they were used to, and he breaks the bread and says, this bread, this is my body. This is broken for you. A symbolization of the incarnation that he is going to take, that he's going to make, that he comes in and puts on flesh and says, this body, I put this on so that I could walk this earth, uphold the laws that you never could, live the life that you never could so I could be the sacrifice that you definitely couldn't do. And he says, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when we do this, we remember not only that he is our King, that He is our Savior. But remember that we are one based on Him. He's our foundation. So do this in remembrance of Him. Likewise, He took the cup, cup that was usually saved for something totally different, and He calls in and says, no, this cup now is the blood of my covenant. It's a new covenant. Right before He says that we we would love another, the world would know that we are his, but we would love one another. It's based on the new covenant. He says, I give you this command, love like I have loved you. And he breaks his blood. He says, this is my blood. This is spilled for you. This is the forgiveness that we have. This blood symbolizes, this juice symbolizes the blood that is given to us so that we can look at each other. So I can look at Mary and say, we're one. I can look at Steve and say, we're one. And it doesn't matter where we were. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how long we've known each other. In Christ, we are one. And it's sealed in his blood. Let us never lose sight of that. To do this in remembrance of me. While you're standing there, we have been doing a little bit of a tradition here at Rev as we started gathering from, from not gathering, and we've been giving ourselves some time for corporate prayer. We felt like it was a good time to just pray as a body because we don't have that opportunity when we're all separated in our homes and online only. And so what I wanted to do today, and I know that this may put, make some of you feel a little uncomfortable, don't worry, I'm not going to make you guys shake hands or anything like that, okay, you don't have to do that. I'm going to ask you this one question. We're going to put it up here on the slide for you guys. It's this question. What do you believe that God is telling you to focus on in 2021? What do you believe that God is asking to focus on? And I want you to turn to someone to your left or right and ask them that question. Ask them maybe their name if you don't know them. (laughs) And then ask them that question. And then I just want you to pray for them to see that come true. Just spend time praying. We're going to spend some time praying right here. In a second, the band is going to come up and sing and lead us in another song of worship. And then we'll close the service. But we're just going to give you guys a chance, right where you're standing, just the person next to you, left or your right, just 
Share what you believe God is showing. If you don't know, say, I don't know. Then pray that God would show them what he wants them to learn, how he wants to sanctify, how he wants to continue that process of completion in them this year in 2021. Pray for each other. And if you're still praying when, when Kyle and Mary and the rest of the band come up and start playing, finish your prayer, that's fine. After you're done praying, go ahead and get back to your seat and we'll close up the service. Let me pray for us before you do. God, I thank you for these people. Not because um, they're my people, they're yours. I'm yours. Because we are all co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Because we are all one. Father, forgive me, forgive us for the ways with which we have allowed um, seemingly trite and small things get in the way of the fact that we are one. God, I pray that we would be a church, that we would move forward not in, in fear or, or, or in, in trepidation or in, in reticence, but instead we would be just so excited about seeing what you are going to do, God, that you would just move in us. You would loose whatever needs to be loosed in each of our hearts. You would help us to repent of whatever needs to be repented of. And ultimately, God, we would continue to strive to move forward as one. As we get together to pray, God, I pray that these people would begin relationships. That, they would, that, they're, that the person they pray for, the name would stick in their head, and all week long they'd be praying for them. And maybe it's the reminder of the, the QR code on the, the phone, God, or whatever it is. I just pray that they would do it. I pray that, that people would be like, hey, let's go, let's go grab lunch today. Let's get to, I want to hear more of your story. Or, hey, I, I think I can help you get there. God has spoke to me while you're praying for me. God, I pray that people will be bold because the Spirit of God is in us, and He is bold about proclaiming the goodness of who you are. God, we thank you for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. Please visit revolution22.org to find out more information about our church. We remind you to continue to value community. We pray that God's word has drawn you closer to him and that you may continue to love God 